freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. What we're going to do, you are a man of It really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Hey, what's going on? It is the Brock and Salk Show, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com, and the Seattle Sports app, plus all the podcast platforms. You guys love those podcast platforms, I think. All of them. I mean, maybe one of them. Did you check the reviews lately? Yeah, I did the other day, actually. Yep. Actually, last night. It hadn't been forever. It's funny you asked that this morning. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't checked them in a while. And so I just checked on Apple. I mean, we're still in the same spot, and it's mostly just people who are mad at me. Like, it, like we do pretty. What's funny because the Mike Salk show ended up with a better, you know, a better total podcast review number than where Brock and Salk is at. But a lot of the frustration tends to just come back to me, which is too bad. Like, obviously, you know, I hate that. Yeah, here's some nice ones. Should be a four point six, but. More Justin and KJ put you over the top. Go Cougs. Thank you from uh, Chief Solon. Appreciate that. Uh, the Brock and Salk present a fair coverage of the Mariners and Seahawks news that keeps me informed about the sports I follow. Thank you, Mr. International 49. Love the interviews. Listen to Brock and Salk for years. Thank you. We're pros, says Stormfalls. And then you get things like, um, you know, the Salk is unbearable from Olympia Rob. Mora is great, and she's the highlight of the show. Unfortunately, this isn't the Mora show. Even more unfortunately, she's paired with average and decidedly below average. Salk, hard to listen to. If you like listening to a know-it-all, likes to hear himself talk and dominate conversations, then this is your chance. I find almost nothing redeemable about his takes. His hometown feels the same way. Since he lasted less than a football season there, he was in Boston in 2013. I know. I'll have you know, I lasted a full season. (laughs) Brock is better, but that's a low bar, and he has some redeemable qualities, but he can get preachy. His takes are hit and miss for me. I want Mora, Danny O'Neill, and Brock. That'd be a better morning show lineup. Unfortunately, Danny was replaced by Salk when he moved to New York. Five stars for Mora, three and a half for Brock. Salk brings the average down, so there you go. Oh, That's me. I, I can't. I can't seem to get us over the top. I know, but you did on the Mike Social podcast, so that's a strange... I know, especially considering all the controversy and stuff that happened yeah. during that year. It's yeah. really sort of shocking that those podcast reviews are so high. So but... It's Brock's fault. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Brock came back, started throwing you under the bus a little more, and like making? I do think that when you the you're better villain option. Yeah, I think yes, yes. <laughs> I think there's so. I think when. You know, me by myself gets like one, there's one view of that, but when put into context next to the wonderful, perfect, how could anybody not like you, you know, local hero, yeah, yeah, Prince of Puyallup, obviously, you know, I start becoming the the negative side of it. So, yeah. And then you get other people who write things like, I just love Jim Moore. Bring back Jim Moore. One star. So, you know, you just you never know what you're going to get when you tune into the uh, little podcast reviews on Apple. But we still would love to get to 4.7 one day. So you can say all those mean things you want. You can talk about people that don't like me and my failed experiment in Boston and everything else. Just leave five stars at the end. I just think the one star thing's being a jerk. But clearly you don't listen if you're leaving a one star. So that just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. You can be mad. You can mm-hmm. hate me. That's all fine. Just, you know. Leave us a nice review. And for I mean, God's sakes, you, download You never them all. know on the one-star thing. Like, I, I worked at a restaurant. We had 
We had this couple that would come in. Every day. Every time they went to the Benaroya Symphony, and they would complain about the food every single time. Mm, well, maybe not but another option over there. Not, not a lot of options, right? <laughs> I mean, we had somebody who said yep. that they, with the guy the other day was mad at me, said it's only because there's two options in town, and unfortunately, we're one of them. So <laughs> anyway, that's uh, that's what we're getting. Uh, that's what we're getting. Uh, speaking of people that disagree with me, actually, maybe we can even start there. I, I was intrigued by a lot of the response to the Pete Carroll column that I wrote this week and posted yesterday morning or late the night before. And um, yeah, basically my point was I don't fully understand all of the Pete hate. I'm not, I don't, I think that there are some reasons to be critical of Pete, but that overall I think some of the positives outweigh the negatives and that I think it's a little bit challenging to see some of the things Pete brings, that they're a little bit more soft skills and invisible, whereas some of the things that are maybe not his strength are very easy to point to. So, all right, um, interesting conversation, I think, and I, I get some of the response. I'm not here to necessarily even really fight about it. I don't want to. I don't. I don't see this as a fight. I'm not really entirely sure where I'm at with it yet. I kind of have the place that I've been, but I'm willing to kind of listen and, and see what people think about the future. I, I'm I'm pro Pete. I think that a lot of the arguments I'm hearing are the same arguments I heard a year and a half ago before last season, right? During the Russell kind of back and forth, who should stay, who should go. And in my mind, last year, going nine and seven, the first year post-Russ with Geno Smith as your quarterback, to me, that's pretty solidifying for Pete. And I almost see that as a trump card. Like, hey, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. I, he may have his weaknesses, and you may see and – and there's some stuff in here, by the way, that I agree with when people are talking about some of the problems. Like, I, I do think there's an issue right now. But I also would say that that at the end of it, what he did last year, to me, just blew away a lot of the arguments. People thought they might win four games. Well, right. And people have been saying for you, oh, offense, 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 stifling rust. He can't work. He doesn't know what he's doing. And all of a sudden, it turns out he was getting the most out of Russ. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to look at that in any other way. But let me let me read you some of the uh, some of the disagreements. Um, here's a couple from Twitter, and then I have a column that was written by uh, by Rob Staten. By uh, Rob Staten, yeah. So let's see. Strongly disagree. Anger is not the right word, Salk. But the majority in Seattle media are missing the fact that Carroll and the coaching staff are being outcoached. McVeigh ran circles around him on Sunday. The terrible starts on D for several years in a row are coaching problems. I don't know that I can argue that. Right. I mean, like, as I said, those have bothered me very much. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. Like there, there's this is not a black or white issue. I agree with you. I, I think that's a good point. But that doesn't necessarily mean you'd be better off with a different. Coach. I also agree with that. <laughs> right. I mean, like, that's why I said this one's about trade offs. It's not saying Pete's perfect. I don't think he is. But I think that's a fair point. I, I don't know that I have a good argument for that one. He's well past his prime time to move on. See, I think that's ridiculous. I, that one doesn't make any sense to me. Age? Nah. Any Anybody who's around that building, you never hear that about Pete. I'm sorry. I don't buy that one. I've watched every single game, every one since, to, since I was in Iraq in 2008. I made a promise to myself if I lived, I'd never miss another game. I'm taking a break until Carol retires. I no, lo- yeah, I no longer have the patience for the same story being played out year after year. 
So last year was the same story. Okay. I mean, like that one's again hard for me to hard for me to do. So I'm not trying to sit here and and I, I guess I cherry picked. I just happened to grab three that I saw before jumping on the air this morning. But I, I guess what I would say is yes, some of them, some of the arguments I think are pretty real. And the defense needs fixing. That's that's a fact. I well, don't even think Pete would dispute that. Let me give you the five that uh, that Rob Statton wrote about here. He has a Seahawks draft blog, and I know he's a listener, and I appreciate him. Uh, he'll write in every once in a while. I'm not going to read you the whole column. You can go find it, and it's in the mentions to uh, to the story that I posted on X. But he says, number one, the defense has been really bad for a number of years. You're right. I tend to don't think I, I tend to don't think I tend to think that that is not so much a scheme thing as it is a personnel thing. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Two, has the game changed? And he looks at the last, what, five, one, two, three, four, five Super Bowls and shows that nine of the 10 coaches are offensive guys. The other is Bill Belichick. OK, uh, Seattle's playoff record is poor. Yeah. That's another one that I think there's a, and I'm going to read you a a, call, a, a paragraph here because I think this is the best point of all of the points that have been made. This is the one that kind of gets me a little bit. And I don't know how to answer it because it's a point I've made before. The Seahawks have averaged 9.7 wins a season since 2015. They've consistently avoided being a horrible team, but it's hard to argue they've ever been a great team in this period. They've not been a serious contender and their playoff record proves that. It feels like they're stuck in the majority middle section of the league. They're never terrible, but they've not been a heavyweight contender since 14, unlike the Rams and Niners. I, I would quibble a little bit with in the majority in the middle. I think they've been better than that. Over the course of that 10 years, they've been better than in the middle. But you're also, I would agree, Rob, that there's no point during that time when they've been a serious heavyweight a legitimate top five in the league contender for the throne. That to me is an issue. They got to find a way to get out of that. I still think Pete is the one who can do that, but I think it's a fair criticism because it's just fact. They haven't been a a serious contender in 10 years. The NFL is hard. When you look around, uh, Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick are some of the other longest tenured coaches, and they're kind of in the same spot where they'll make the playoffs almost every year, but they haven't made it to the Super Bowl in a while. But you look around and go, if you think, oh, the game's past Pete by or he's too old— Look at these, like, supposedly new co- – everyone was so impressed with Brandon Staley. Right. Look at his football mind. Yeah, He's so away. creative. He's horrible. He's on the hot seat to get fired this year with yeah. the Chargers. Yeah, no, I, I like, agree with him. And I, 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 I do think things need to improve, but you just because you hire some new coach that has these newfangled ideas doesn't mean that anything. I, I think that's, the NFL's hard. I think that's where you and I would would probably meet and, and say, yeah, we totally agree here. It's okay to criticize, by the way. I, I, I think it's it's part of life. Criticize away. I'm with you. I think there's some really good reasons to criticize Pete. I'm going to stop short at saying that he's not the right person for the job. In fact, I'm going to stop well short of it. I think he is the right person for the job. I think he's got as good an opportunity as anybody to turn some of that around. But I also think you're absolutely right. Being in the middle is not the place to be. And you got to find a way to make this team a heavyweight contender. I don't think that Pete is the person who is keeping them from doing that. I think you need a little bit more talent on this team, and I think the roster's got to be built a little bit differently. And I'm going to keep beating the drum for big-time defensive players, and I do think they're ultimately going to need a different quarterback to take them to the promised land. I don't think I've been too shy about believing either of those two things. I don't love the way the roster is constructed, and I think if they were to construct the roster a little bit differently with some of the same ideas and principles, 
I think they'd be just fine. We'll come right back. We'll give you everything you need to know, including a spectacular end to an okay game. It's next on Brock and Salk. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. And on the seventh day, they rested. All right, maybe it wasn't the seventh, but the 14th, which is double seven. The Mariners finally get that day off today that they have been waiting for seemingly forever. 13 straight games without a day off. They finally get to rest and they need it. They'll do it coming off this series win over the Angels and a couple of W's in a row. Yesterday for me, all about the ace once again. One, two pitch here to Matt Dice. Pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Doubled up on the changeup. There's the Castillo flex. As he looks to the sky, pounds his glove. He should be happy. That's strikeout number eight. Yeah, he was phenomenal. He's been so good this year. You really look at it and, and start adding up all of the numbers. He hasn't had those, like, you know, complete game shutouts that you tend to see with ace-like dominance. But look at his consistency. He's recorded five-plus innings in literally every one of his starts this season, all 30. That's the best in baseball. He's gone six-plus innings. In 21 of those 30 outings, 17 quality starts. And just when you look at this whole you know, whole rotation, the Mariners have three pitches with 17 or more quality starts, obviously including Gilbert and Kirby. No other baseball team has even three with 15 quality starts. That's pretty incredible just how great they've been as a group this year. The other guy yesterday who's got to stand out was Cal Raleigh. Had a huge RBI single to drive in a run, and he ended the game his way. Phillips to lead the stretch. Runner goes, pitch on the way, a strike. The throw down a second by Cal. The tag. He's out at second. The ball game is over. Cal Raleigh throws out. Brett Phillips trying to steal here in the top of the ninth inning. I got to tell you, that was pretty satisfying, wasn't it? Like Cal, like that feels really, really nice. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, and it's too bad it's got to come with the uh, with the review because then you just have to put everything on hold for a moment. You don't get that in the moment celebration, but whatever. It's a nice little win, and obviously they needed it. Munoz was good, hit 102. Did he throw one slider? I saw a lot of two seamers. Right, he went back and forth with the with the four seamer two seamer combo. I don't think I saw a single slider as he got four hour three outs yesterday. So anyway, uh, Texas beats uh, Toronto. Houston salvaged the game against the A's. So no real changes in the AOS. The Mariners game and a half out still. They're a full game up on Toronto for the final playoff spot. The Rangers, though, are going to be without Max Scherzer for the rest of the way. After coming out of the game Wednesday with tricep soreness, he's been shut down for the season. He made eight total starts with the team, won five of them. Here's the second thing you need to know. All right, as we expected, no Charles Cross at practice this week. Uh, it seems increasingly likely that somebody else is going to start at left tackle in Detroit. Even worse, Abe Lucas found himself on IR, so it's going to be some time before we see him again. Huge blow to the strength of this team. Maybe not debilitating, but having both of your two tackles out is certainly not good news. How close is Jason Peters? Well, Pete likes what he's seen. He's such a remarkable player. I mean, look at his film from last year. You can't tell how old he is. Uh, he played really well and, and uh, played a couple different spots and showed flexibility there. He's, you know, he's a long-term uh, left tackle, uh, you know, and, and uh, 
but the flexibility is there, and, and his feet were beautiful. Okay, he saw about a handful of plays out there. He looked pretty darn good today. I mean, just tell you, he looked quick and, and light on his feet. He did say ideally it would be a few weeks, but, you know, necessity is the mother of all inventions, so we'll see how quickly Jason Peters ends up in the lineup. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, Antonolan surprised the injury on Monday will not be the end of Aaron Rodgers' career. He took to Instagram yesterday to tell the world that the night is darkest before the dawn and that he will rise again. Is that a reference to his darkness retreats or what? What's going on there? The night's dark. Uh, trust me. I know how dark it is. <laughs> I've been there. Like Days on end. Yes. Uh, the NFL will also... Return tonight, our first short week of the season, Minnesota and Philly for Thursday Night Football, neither of whom were particularly impressive in week one, although the Vikings lost and are right now kind of fighting to keep this season alive. They did not look good at all. That is everything you need to know. And we do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I think you're right, by the way. Just looking at the uh, game cast and MLB, I didn't see a single... Not one. Slider. No sliders. Nope. Yeah. Uh, MLB's box score thing here categorizes either a forcing fastball or a sinker, but all around 99 to 102. Yeah, I mean, the sinker was filthy, and maybe, you know, he's got enough movement with that sinker that he can shelve the slider for a little while until he gets it figured out and just use those two pitches kind of back and forth. They're different enough. But if that's what he's doing, if he's still in, like, if he's got that little confidence in the slider right now, is that the guy you want throwing the ninth? Like, again, I, I'm fine with continuing to let him work through it because obviously the upside is enormous and you need him to get back to being him. But isn't there another way to kind of line things up maybe for a little while? Know. Topa's had a couple shaky outings. I know. I don't, I don't know if he's my ninth guy right I'll now. Tell you what, man, you're right. I don't, you know, there's, there's not a lot of good answer. You know what you need? Day off today. Yes. Everybody just take a big deep breath. Take a day off today. Get away from the game. Take a big, you know, mental break. Get off your feet. Sleep late. Whatever you got to do. And then show up tomorrow ready to go for the final 16 of the season. KJ Wright was, as you would imagine, tremendous yesterday. One of my favorite KJ Wright shows. I know I say that every week, but he was awesome yesterday. Stick around. You'll hear from him and you'll hear him praise a guy that we've been awfully critical of. Next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, let's buzz through a whole bunch of things with KJ here. We got uh, 25 minutes left with KJ. And my gosh, I want to get to like all of this, Brock. So let me start with your friend Cliff Averill, who was uh, on the station with Bump and Stacy two days ago. I think that was on Monday he was on. And uh, one of the things he brought up was the preseason. Did they have enough time spent in the preseason out on the field actually working together? Preseason, guys not getting that many reps. The first time you're actually getting live contact and bringing guys down to the ground and real real tackles and, and different things like that is week one for a lot of these guys. At most, maybe they have 20 reps in, in preseason, to be honest with you, veterans are just trying not to get hurt. So I think that's what we see in particular for the defense. All I know is when I was growing up, I was playing to the second quarter and sometimes the third quarter in preseason. And it we, helped? Yep. We was tackling, we was hitting, getting our minds right, getting our bodies right, gelling with our teammates, and absolutely. You talk about the art of pass rushing. You can't just come off the practice field and think you're going to go against a primetime NFL player and think it's going to be the same. It's two different environments. It's two different atmospheres. And so, yes, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of not playing guys in the preseason. I know you got the Bobby, you got Quandre. These guys have proven themselves. 
but you want to get as many guys as you can out there. Injuries are part of the game, Salk. They're part of the game. You could get hurt. You could not get hurt, but you got to get your guys ready for week one of the regular season. Yeah, I think it's an unfair thing. Brock and I were talking about it a little bit yesterday. It's hard to criticize one way or another, right? Whatever you do, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you don't play guys and then they lay an egg, it seems like you should have. If you do play them and they get hurt, then it seems like the opposite. Dallas... To be fair, Dallas had the best defensive performance of anybody this week. They didn't do anything in the preseason. They didn't play anybody at all. And they came off their couch and just destroyed the Giants. So, I mean, there are examples in either direction. How many but, new pieces do they have? Well, that's How a, many new dudes do they have? How many Julian Loves and Bobby Wagners and Devin Bushes and Dre Jones? And how many new dudes do they have that have to work at all three levels together? Mm. I'm going to say very, very little, if any. I think they return just about everybody, everybody. back to everybody. that defense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the word is communication. I hear it all the time, KJ, and it kind of makes me nauseous because I think it's an easy fallback. Oh, yeah, we just got to communicate. Oh, no, we'll be fine. We just got to communicate. Yeah, we, if we just communicate better. What, what does that mean? What does communicating <laughs> better mean defensively? From a weekly standpoint, you communicate throughout the week. You communicate at practice. You communicate at walkthrough. One of the things that bothers me so much is guys not taking walkthroughs seriously enough. That is your bread and butter. That's where you get your money right there is during walkthrough. So it got to happen there. Now let's step to it on the football field. A guy that I saw was a communicating fool out there was Jordan Brooks. He was communicating his tail off, pointing left and right, telling Bobby, hey, watch this coming, moving before the ball is snapped. He was one of the few guys that I saw on the football field that was communicating at a very high level. <laughs> Jordan Brooks was that guy. I loved what I saw from that. I'll, oh, go ahead. And so, more. and so, yeah, and when you keep going, you communicate on the field. Then you get to the sidelines. Hey, I was the type of guy, I'm walking up and down that, that bench area. Hey, what did you see right here? Hey, big dog, what's happening right here? If they do this again, we're going to do this. I go to the DBs. Hey, what happened on the back end? Who on that team is doing that? I don't know. I hope there's someone doing it. But if you just go and just sit in your little pod, DBs here, linebackers here, D-line here, that's not winning football. Mm-hmm. That's not winning football. All three guys have got to, all three levels have got to be on the same page. You know what struck me watching the game tape? And I, and I felt it watching it live as well, KJ, but it really popped when you put on the actual eye in the sky because it never lies. You mentioned Jordan Brooks. Jordan Brooks, yeah, he didn't make the play on that little third and three little whip route to the tight end, but he was right on it. Mm-hmm. He was right on the back. It took an absolutely perfect pass and catch. Then they tried to run that deep over on him. On which, it. Which everybody, and he is on it, KJ. He's mm-hmm. on it. He flips his hips. He gets underneath it. Pete was praising him uh, with us on Monday. Outside of him. Outside of him, what other DB, Julian Love? What other linebackers, Devin and Bobby? What other safety? What other corner was like on top of routes, was seeing it coming, Kobe, and like not just being around it, but actually seeing, anticipating, breaking. I mean, I saw such <laughs> little of that once again. Not a single soul, Brock. Jordan Brooks was the best player on that football field on Sunday. He communicated well. He was aggressive. He looked healthy. He looked strong. He looked pissed off on that football field. He was a guy that was attacking, like really trying to make some stuff happen. Jordan Brooks was the best player on that football field. And I love what he brought to the table. When he made that pitch, when he made that tackle on that toss to the sideline to his right, I was like, oh, this dude is good. This this dude, this dude is healthy. This dude is solid. Yes. He made that TFL. Even on Higby, he was square, was right there with him. And he was right there to make the play. So I love what I so saw. So let's remember Brooks. this now. Let's remember this. 
This is the dude that didn't do anything all offseason because he tore his freaking ACL in January. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is the dude that's your best player? What, what are we doing? Why, Julian, Kobe, what, what do we, and I know Kobe missed the offseason too, but what, what are we doing if this guy's here, hair on fire, seeing it, reacting, jumping plays, See, bro, making this is plays? This why I'm always telling you. These guys don't need to show up for OTAs. <laughs> they don't need to be on the field. This is why I've always tried to tell you that stuff is overrated. Man, let me tell you, there's nothing like when a dude is hungry. There's nothing like when a dude is starving. There's nothing there like a dude when he's pissed off and mad. He 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 played like he was mad on that football right. field. We are 37 minutes into this hour, and we have yet to talk about the offense, which in my view was worse than the defense on Sunday. I mean, I I know the defense overall is probably a bigger concern, but, but what the world happened to the offense on Sunday? They were good in the, good in the first half. They was running the ball, misdirection, some trick plays there and there. Again, Kenneth walk on the perimeter. DK touchdown. How many yards did they have in the second half? Twelve. It was twelve. Nine of them came in the last play of the game. <laughs> three straight, three and outs. They had th- really three yards in the second half. Okay. Don't get mad at me, talk but I'm about to go to the defense real quick. Okay, I'm yeah, not, no, I'm about to go fine. to the defense real quick. I, I'm not mad at you. Come on, <laughs> never get mad at you. Eleven converted third downs. Not right? after I saw that look in your eyes last week. I'm never getting <laughs> mad at you again. <laughs> they had the ball for only 20 minutes. The Rams had the ball for 40 minutes. Okay, so there's not much you can do with that. Now, when you are put in that position, like our our defense is struggling, they're giving up a lot of plays. You got to find a way to convert on them third downs. And yeah. if you're a coach. This is this is like when you're in the game. If you're in the coach and you see like, dang, defense not doing much, offense not doing much, you may have to roll that dice and go for it on fourth down hmm. to to get to some way somehow get things going. Yeah, I think I understand. I know it makes some sense to me. I, I'm not mad at you at all. I think that that makes sense that you know the numbers end up skewing it worse because the defense couldn't get themselves off the field. Mm-hmm. But the offense bears some of that, obviously, and didn't convert on third downs themselves. And I just, you know, I think part of it is you're looking for Gino to make the people around him better. And I'm not sure I saw that necessarily on Sunday. You think you think so? I didn't see him make everyone around him better. I'm not saying he had a bad game necessarily, yeah. but did he elevate some of the new young people and everybody else around him? I don't know if I saw that. I mean, no. it's you talk about third downs, isn't that sort of the quarterback down? That's that's the money down. That's right. that's the down. We drop our best play. We practice this all week. Go out there and execute. He mm-hmm. threw yeah. one to his left to to Njigba. Mm-hmm. It was covered. It went through his hands, and um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty outing. Did for you th- see? Um, did you see the end of the game? Did you get to watch the TV copy? Were you watching on TV? Mm-hmm. What did you think of the end of the game? Brock and I both talked about it. They had those shots. We had some some callers even mention it on Monday. There was Tyler had the uh, the oxygen mask on. A lot. Gino had his head in his hands and looked shell shocked. I don't know what Jackson Smith and Jigba was doing. He was like sitting up on top of a bench <laughs> and like looked like he was staring off into space. Is that just them being unfairly caught in a moment? Or was there something going on where that sideline just looked shell shocked all at once at the end of that game? Well, let's let's put it together. Let's put the pieces together. Let's put the puzzles together. <laughs> you take the sideline, you take that copy, and then we see what they did on the football field. Or do they go hand in hand? Is 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 it the same? You were on the sideline, and you were on the football field. Number three, Russell Wilson. Did you ever catch Russell like that? Never. This dude was walking up and down the sideline, hand clapping, high fiving. Hey, come on, come on, next play, let's believe. Hey, we can do it. Let's go, guys. That stuff went a long, long way. It went so, so far. A guy walking up and down the sideline saying, "Hey, guys, we're only down ten points. 
Get your head out your ass and let's go. Who who's who's that dude? Who's going to be the one to say it? Yeah, I, what it looked like was much more like the old Cam Newton shots of him with the towel over his head. And and I, again, I'm not there on the sideline, so I don't know whether the body language is indicative. We only get to see the sideline for a split second where the camera chooses to do it. But I, I did think about Russ and that neutral mentality and his ability to, as you said, stay positive. And we talk about leadership. We're talking about we're talking about on the field, but we really talking about off the field, like on the sidelines, like everything matters. You're so connected. All 11 guys are connected. Offense, defense, special teams, everyone's connected. If you want to take this team, you got to have the voices to get right. Hey, get right. Oh, I saw you draw that target penalty. I'm going to communicate with you. I'm going to have great leadership with you so you don't do that again. From coach to coach, player to coach, player to player. <laughs> That's what it takes. That's what has to be. Someone has to be that dude. Yeah. I always think, Brock, about that game. We talked about it a ton. Remember the Arizona game? I think it's the yep. 6-3 or whatever it was, the tie in Arizona yep. where uh, you guys had the game won. And who mm-hmm. was it? Who was the kicker that was it? Hauschka? Yep. Just missed like a chip uh, shot yeah, field yeah, yeah. goal. And there's a shot on the sideline of Russ. He doesn't eat like his face doesn't even fall for a moment. Mm-mm. Everyone around him just like, oh, you can just see. And Russ is just like, OK, well, now we're on to the next. But like, obviously, the going. defense is going to stop him. We'll have another <laughs> chance. It's pretty, you know, we've we've given Russ a lot of grief here over the last year or two. And mm-hmm. I think for some good reasons. But that is one of the things that I mm-hmm. will always respect about Russ and something I think he did very, very well. Uh, my last question uh, in the final 10, we've got to turn this to Detroit because the guys on the field are going to do so today. So I, Pete yet. Uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a few things to turn it to. <laughs> uh, but just, just moving forward here, KJ, and kind of flushing just the, the you know, end of this one, how does the team react? They're in there Monday on Tell the Truth Monday. Mm-hmm. What is the tone and tenor when we hear from Pete today and coming off of a game like that? It's a new week. Last week is over. Last week is done. I forgot what happened. I, the, the Rams, that did not happen. That did not exist. So when it's coming, you watching Wednesday, it's highlights. You're watching highlights of the Lions Wednesday morning. You're going over the tail of the tape. This is their roster. You got golf. You got a two-headed monster back there with Montgomery and Gibbs. And you have an offensive lineman. Um... Panay, Panay Sewell, this man, woo-wee, Brock Hewitt, this, I watched that tape, this dude is like a Trent Williams 2.0. Samoan power. Samoan power. And, and he'd be out there talking trash, too. Yes. And so this dude, you're going to highlight him. He's going to be the highlight. I don't usually give offensive linemen too much credit. Mm. They all look the same to me. But this, <laughs> this dude, he stands out. Mm-hmm. And so you're going over that. You're addressing your, your defensive, uh, defensive front, addressing the linebackers, addressing the back end to get this thing figured out. How, what do you think Monday was like? And maybe before you answer that, I, I would just ask you, in, in all of your time around Pete, all of the years you spent here, what was the most mad you ever saw Pete in a meeting or after a game or anything like that? Can you think of a moment Ooh. where Pete actually got mad, lost his temper or anything like that, played that card? No. 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 No, the the raise your voice, the lose your cool, the get mad, temper. I never, I don't think I ever never saw, saw that. Okay, so I was doing it for a really long time. I don't so, think I so ever what saw would it. have been your expectation coming in on Monday for what tell you tell the truth Monday would look like this week? I would expect I would expect coach to be not down, but really like 
pretty much kind of shocked, disappointed in the performance. Disappointed is a word. I was disappointed in how, um, you know, the preparation leading up to the game, the way we finished. We always talk about finish. Leading in the second half, going into halftime, and we didn't finish properly. So I know he emphasized that finish word. Finish on offense, finish on defense. If it's a long drive, you bend, bend. But like Brock said, you don't break. Just let them walk in the end zone. You're smart, so you probably don't spend a lot of time on social media during games, after games, et cetera. There's no reason to, so do yourself a favor and stay away from it. But one of the things Brock and I both were struck by this week is that a lot of the frustration from the fans, and there's always going to be frustration after Mm -hmm. a loss, of course, but it felt like a huge amount of it was really directed at Pete. And I don't know that I necessarily felt that way. Brock didn't really, I don't think, feel that way. And we spent some time talking about it yesterday. I wrote about it at seattlesports.com trying to figure Mm -hmm. out, you know, why it is that that blame goes to Pete. Do you have any thoughts on him? You got, you got to elaborate in what, in what facet? KJ, if you were to look at our text toy, not just social media, not just Twitter, if you were to look at our listeners right now that are taking this conversation in and you were to look at the abundance of the text messages, it would be, yeah, Pete can't coach anymore, guys. Pete's old. Pete can't coach. The game the, passed this, him by. This defense is bad for another year and another year and another year. This defense hasn't been good for years. Pete mm-hmm. has lost his field. Doesn't motivate. It, 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 the The majority of the criticism was all geared towards Pete. Mm-hmm. Why? And um, yeah, and that's that's hard to hear because y'all know that's that's my guy for life. Like that's that's Pete's my guy since day one, forever will be. And um, when you do look at the tape, when you do look at um, the 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 roster, the depth chart. I under I understand their frustrations. Mm-hmm. I really do understand their frustration. Um, from changing the scheme, changing it back, um, the draft picks. You know, you talk about draft picks. Like I really understand where they're coming from, and um, yeah, they they have the right to voice that. And so it is hard to hear. It is hard to see. Uh, what year is coach? Third year, thirteen. Yes, yeah. been doing this at a doing, doing this at a very a very high level, consistently in the playoffs. Made made it last year with nine wins, and so um yeah, it it is frustrating. I, to hear I think that. one of the and things I, and, that, I, and I understand it that jumped out to me. I, this is part of what I wrote is that I think the things Pete does so well tend to be harder to see. Than the, yeah, they're harder to, for the for anyone watching a game to notice than some of the things that maybe he doesn't do as well. Like all coaches, he's got strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. He's got some trade offs. It's hard to see the culture during a game. <laughs> You'll know it when they don't have it, but it's generally pretty hard to see the culture he's built and and some of the things that Pete does during a game. I can tell when he calls timeout at the wrong time. I can see it yeah. when like like some of the the yeah. issues that Pete will have, and so I. I think it, it for some of those reasons, it's harder to see some of the things Pete brings to the table. I think what the fans want to see, Sock, is a glimpse of hope, a glimpse of greatness, mm. a glimpse of, oh, we're for real and we can make a real deal playoff push. You remember what I said last week? I said I wanted to see us come out and dominate. Like, really come out and dominate and show what type of team we are. Then I got to tell you, everybody, like, I'm going to keep coming back to this, and I may be nauseating because of it. If that's what you want, and by the way, it's what I want. uh, KJ couldn't agree with you more. Stop pretending that's going to be possible without a dominant defensive line. Just stop. You're not going to see that level of success, that level of dominance, that level of excellence Mm -hmm. with Jags on your defensive line. Not Jags. You gotta have dudes. I know I mean, it's the Jimmys and Joes. I know it's the Jimmys and you Joes. You gotta I know. have dudes, and if you decide to pass 
on potentially a generational kind of talent at the defensive line with the fifth pick in the draft. And last week, you guys are telling me, no, no, don't trade for Chris Jones. Never want to do that. Like, hey, man, you can keep telling me that you don't want to draft or bring in these guys that will make you the kind of team that you want to be. But then don't complain when you're not that team and blame Pete Carroll. Either bring in the defensive linemen that are going to make this team dominant or whatever. It doesn't work. But you say that, and here's the facts. Dre Jones is paid more than anybody in I'm the history I'm not talking about payment, John. Brock. I'm talking about results. I'm talking about Jaron Reed, $10 million. I'm talking about Uchenna just got re-upped. I'm talking about Boye and Derek Hall are top 50 picks, top yeah. 30 picks. And I'm like, talking you about have. Nick Bosa. I'm talking about Joey Bosa. I'm talking about TJ Watt. I'm talking about the guys that actually make a difference. And when you had a chance with the fifth pick in the draft, maybe this is going to end up sounding ridiculous in 10 weeks when this guy gets himself arrested or whatever the heck happens <laughs> and he's not able to play. Okay, I get it. Maybe Jalen Carter is going to be an abject disaster. But I don't know how you can tell me that, oh, we need to be dominant. We need to be unbelievable. I can't have Jalen Carter. Get out of here. Oh, I can't. I can't trade for Chris Jones. I would be spending money. Stop spending your resources on the outside and in the back end and make sure that the guys up front are dominant. All right, well, we can't do nothing about this, Salt. The draft is over. Chris Jones has got his contract extension. That's true. What do we do now? I don't know. What's the plan of attack? You what bring out the very, very best in Uchenna. You bring out the very best in Moye. You bring out the very best in Dre. Those are guys that you believe are much more than Good. just Jags. Well, then they're going to have to be that because what we saw on Sunday wasn't even Jag. No, it was not. 5%. 5% was the pressure rate, KJ, on all the dropbacks. 5% was all you got to Matthew Stafford, and now you're on the road. And now you're playing this O line. Now they may be without their left tackle. He's got an injury as well, and that that's a if you're down your left tackle, they may as well be down their left tackle. But as you looked at Detroit, you went and watched them. Is it is this a crew? Is this a front? Is this a front seven that can impact Jared Goff? This is this is this a is this a front seven that's going to wake up and take this messaging and get after that Detroit team Sunday? With this offensive line, what I saw on tape, these dudes are solid from the left tackle all the way to the right tackle. They're well coached. They have a really, really good scheme. They drive off the ball in the run game. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know if the Chiefs did anything as far as putting pressure on Jared Goff either when they played Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And so this team— they didn't have Chris Jones. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm so, sorry. I couldn't uh, so I'm not even I'm just joking. I know we did a good job last week against the against the run, but when I saw these guys scheme, their scheme um, running the football, we're gonna see stretch GC. We're gonna see pullers. We're gonna see crunch coming straight downhill, man on man, big on big, and they're gonna see if our cornerbacks can tackle come Sunday. Trey Brown, Tariq Woolen, we're going to see if you guys can take on blocks, and we're not going to even block you sometimes. We're going to put our best guy on your best guy, one-on-one, man-on-man. Let's see if we can make you miss for a 9-10 yard game. That's going to be the game plan of Detroit Lions. If they don't do that, they are silly, and their offensive coordinator needs to, I'm not going to say need to, but, you know, he'll be tripping if he don't do that come, come Sunday. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. You mentioned Jalen Carter, Salt, and that was a big conversation, and it will continue to be just because you took – Devin Witherspoon and not Jalen Carter. Yeah, and by the way, just quickly, it's unfair what I just said because we haven't even seen Devin Witherspoon play. So I, I'm not telling you that that was a mistake and that Witherspoon's a bust. I'm not saying any of that. It's really just the philosophy behind it that still kind of sticks with my crop. And I sure hope Devin Witherspoon is the Jordan Brooks of week two. I sure hope oh. he's the one that is so ticked off, KJ, 
that he has had this doggone hamstring that has kept him off the field. I sure hope he's the one that we saw on the practice field for one week in training camp who was the fire starter, the instigator, the one that just turned it up and cranked it up. I sure hope as he goes back to the Midwest and plays in Detroit with all this hype and all this noise in the biggest game of his life, he didn't play in a game like this at Illinois, in the biggest game of his life, I hope that that dude is a difference maker in my mind and my heart tells me he may have to be. I he may have to be. He may have to come in there because I don't. I don't know. Do you want Trey Brown or Devin Witherspoon one on one making a tackle? Listen, let's 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 talk about this. You have rookie. You got coming off of a hamstring. You got not practicing. I'm not putting my my last dollar on on Witherspoon coming in being that guy. Not this I'm, week. I'm, I'm not. I'm not, not this week. I'm not. I, I, I can't, Brock. I'm not not with Witherspoon. Mm-mm, not happening. No way. No how. So baby step him. Give him ten snaps. Shh, baby step him. Baby baby step him. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Let this man get back in the groove. He's gonna be running his tail off. That's a lot of strain on that hammy. He's yep. had this since OTAs. Hey, how we did with Jordan Brooks? You know, play a few plays here and there. Come in. Let's do that. So before go, mm-mm, like mm. hair on fire, like Jordan was. I don't want to see that from. What him. about Jamal? Jamal's supposed to practice this week too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Supposed to maybe start to get some snaps. Does he impact? Does he make a difference? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so we're not looking at this week, not next week. Down the line. Hopefully, you know, Probably we, after the bye. After, you think? after the bye. After the bye. Yeah. I did not know that. That is really, really good Yeah, news. you would think he'd probably be ready to go after the bye, right? They have the bye after week four, right? Which is sort of ridiculous. It's like four yeah. weeks in, they have their bye. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I would think that after that, we'll start thinking about Jamal Adams. All right, KJ. There you oh, go. Man, that had me screaming today. I know. Oh, you were screaming. Well, I just, <laughs> you know. Yes. Well, I was screaming. You were screaming. We all were screaming. But- we were all screaming. Not all of us were, you know, blaming God the way KJ was and the fans. I mean, just a just a really, oh quite frankly, an inappropriate outburst, I thought, from KJ Wright yesterday. But if uh, you want to hear the rest of that whole interview, it's not even really an interview, that whole show, uh, go over to uh, wherever you get your podcast. You can hear the whole thing all kind of put in together, Apple, Google, wherever it is. All right. Uh, did we see yesterday? I'll ask you guys because you were the only other two people, Justin Amora, who would be able to answer this question. Did we see... A return of the grasshopper yesterday afternoon. Did we see on on our text thread? Oh, did we see a return of the grasshopper? What do you think? I think we may would you have. would you say that was a return of the grasshopper? There was one, two, yeah, three, three, yep. three texts that make you think we saw the return of the grasshopper. I think that's safe. I think that's safe to say. He'll join us next on Brock and Salk.